Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Looking to jumpstart your career? Start with the city of Norfolk, Virginia. You'll earn competitive pay, outstanding benefits, and a $5,000 sign-on bonus. Start your new career today at norfolk.gov slash coastalvajobs. Restrictions apply. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody and welcome to another edition of corner to corner wrestling radio it is monday by your watch we're not going to tell you what day it is on ours <laughs> i'm stan grubb and i am joined as always the dynamic duo brian taylor what's up man what's up hey listen i'm just glad that you almost got the countdown right you know i'm trying to get better about that i actually last week this is this is total truth. I wrote it down on a sticky note to try to get better about counting you guys in. Because uh-huh. it occurred to me, I was like, I've never actually done that. Like, Damn, we've been doing this for almost six years now. Never done a countdown. Never done a countdown. So the way it should work now, again, if we were live, this is the way it would work. When you get down to two, you give them the two, the two numbers, you know, two fingers. And don't use the middle finger for one. That's very inappropriate. That's inappropriate. Damn. No wonder I got it all wrong. I just, I'm never going to be on TV, Brian. I'm never going to be on TV. Oh, you'll be on TV. You just, you know, you may be, you may have one of those face radios, but you'll be on TV type thing. They'll kick me out. You know what I mean? Like, they'll see me like after night one. So, Stan, we want to talk to you about your contract. (laughs) We've got, um. Standards and practices. <laughs> mm. I mean, the bad part is in today's society, I don't think standards and practices can kick you for your face. Being ugly. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, they can probably kick you in your face, but not kick you off the TV <laughs> because of the uh, Mr. Grubb, you're frightening little children. We need you to step outside. That would be so just traumatic. Hey, but we could be like the writers for WWE. Did you read that today, Brian? Uh, Bobby Ashley? Bobby Ashley. The all, the all 90210. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how that read to me. <laughs> so I didn't read the article other than like the headlines, but I yeah. mean, it's some, it's, it, it, it sums up, you know, <laughs> part of the problem. So I didn't watch all of Raw. I had it on, and I may have turned on some of the replay and watched a few bits and pieces. Here's what I can tell you what I caught. Um, of course, this past Monday when we watched, we were actually recording on Thursday this week because I've got my kids and we got other stuff going on. Plus, the fourth is coming, and I know. Yeah. Anyway, so this past Monday was qualifying matches for Money in the Bank. Actually, they weren't bad matches. Ricochets in Money in the Bank. Matt Riddle's in Money in the Bank. So we're heading in the right direction. Wait, who did Riddle face up? That's where it gets interesting. Riddle actually beat Drew McIntyre to qualify. With help or on his own? On his own, actually. Hmm. Ah, look at those grill marks on this steak. Yeah, you hear that, Brian? Yeah. Gordon Ramsay ain't got shit on me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, most of Raw was pretty good. Really was. I, I The L in the cell between Xavier Woods and Bobby Lashley was really good, actually. It really painted Xavier Woods in a good light. Just a lot of heart, you know, the underdog kind of mentality. And, of course, at the end where Lashley just beats the piss out of him um, right in front of Kofi, who can't get to him, sets up. For Kofi and Lashley. And Brian, I am kind of hoping we get one of those Kofi Mania 2 moments. Because that would be something special. Yeah, but we've already passed Mania. Right. But Hulkamania ran wild even even though WrestleMania was gone. Yeah, but Hulkamania didn't originally have anything to do with WrestleMania. That's right. So Kofi Mania doesn't have to do with WrestleMania all the time. It could. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. I was playing checkers, and you decided to play chess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, look, just because WWE writers can't seem to figure out how to play chess doesn't mean we can't try to take a gamble on a couple of rooks. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's not funny, though. That's all right. I tried. I'm sorry. On behalf of a grateful nation. (laughs) (laughs) They can't all be. They all can't all be home runs, man. Sometimes, sometimes you got to settle for a double. (laughs) That would tell you why. Hey, hey! You know, every now and again, maybe a triple here and there, steal home. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I look at it like this. Am I satisfied? Then I'm good to go. Oh, is that? Is that is <laughs> Wait, is that not how it's supposed to work? Hell no. Oh, okay. Hell no. And I'll deny it if you say otherwise. 
could you be have in the bathroom with the door closed and the shower on? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> That's about the only way I know you wouldn't get in trouble for that. All I'm saying is if that's how she sees things, that's not my fault. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right. So how are them steaks going? Steaks are looking amazing. Nice and nice and marbled. Nice and they got a little nice little sear to them. Nice and juicy. Got some some mushroom stuffed ravioli with pesto. Mm. Yeah. Not up for the mushrooms. Yeah, you're not a mushroom guy. I, I realize that. You don't like the mushrooms on pizza or nothing. Mm-mm. I don't touch mushrooms. Yeah. I did discover a, a horrifying thing over this past weekend. Oh, yeah? What's up? Yeah, I'm on here right now. <laughs> Somebody didn't like what I liked on Facebook. <laughs> oh, it's okay, honey. Nobody's listening. It's just me and Brian. What a bitch. <laughs> mm, damn. Yeah. Well, when five feet tall women get mad, it's the best way I can describe yeah. it. If anybody follows me on Facebook, just look at the, some of the stuff that I may have tacked her in, and you'll see why. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> hey, 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 FCC. Easy, easy. Wow, jeez. Uh, so horrifying thing I found out over the weekend. My wife likes pineapple on pizza. Nothing wrong with that. What? Good ham and pineapple pizza. Good, good boy. Wait, whoa, whoa. Now I'm blindsided. That's two people in my life that, that like pineapple on pizza. This is not okay. My wife likes it. That's three. Oh, no. Sharon and, and Brian you only both have... Four friends and three of them are now accounted for. Um, Damn it. You're in the minority. I am. I'm in the minority. This is not good. Have you tried it? Yeah, I've tried it. It wasn't a fan. Yeah, but from like a real pizzeria joint. Uh, I mean, not from like a real pizzeria. Does Domino's count? No, of course not. No. Mm-hmm. Um, this was Little Caesars. Little Caesars is usually good pizza. No, but it don't count, though. doesn't count. Honey, Little Caesars doesn't count. <laughs> no. Pizza that actually is good. Although Little Caesars pizza is good. I'm not saying it ain't. But it's kind of like uh, Chicago style. You know, hmm. just because Little Caesars advertise, it's Chicago style pizza. Right, right. Doesn't mean it's Chicago style. I got you. Right. That's fair. <sighs> well, I mean, what can I say? All right. So, what's on the agenda? So, as you recall, when we talked previously, we said, hey, this week is all about Dark Side of the Ring. So this week, we're talking about Dark Side of the Ring. We're going to talk about Season 3. We've covered Season 2 a little bit. We covered Season 1, I think, in its entirety when it first started. But this time, it's time to talk about Season 3. Because Season 3, as we were talking before we started recording, um, has really been kind of eye-opening. 
depressing, mm-hmm. um, sad in a lot of ways. Um, dark. Even, dark, for sure. Definitely living up to the dark side. Um, but honestly, in a lot of these, very fair. Sometimes with Dark Side of the Ring, and I have sent a message out to the producers of the show, because they are actively taking interview requests, so we are working on it. Um, most times their, their shows can come off just, uh, I think, slanted. Now, Brian, I think we talked about this before. You think that most times they're pretty much on the button. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they're like way out of whack or anything. Let's not get too too crazy with it. But I do feel like sometimes they just don't they don't treat it with a lot of fairness. In this season, though, I gotta say, even with Brian Pillman, they were really fair. Like they they painted an honest picture of who he was. You know, they painted an honest picture of the warrior. And and frankly, with Nick Gage, I thought they were fair on that too. The uh, the episode about about uh, Korea, again, very fair, very balanced, and they've asked the right people. They asked Scott Norton, for example. You know, previously we've heard, you know, we've heard from Eric Bischoff, Jim Cornette, Chris Jericho, Dutch Mantel. That's kind of been the extent, although with the UWF episode in season two, that was comical just because of all of the people. Season three's got a definitely a darker tinge to it. So they started with a two a two part uh, show special season premiere with Brian Pillman. And the first thing you notice about this is that they are one they are not afraid. They're not afraid of repercussions from WWE from the Pillman family. Although they did get the Pillman family involved. Um, they're not afraid to just tell it like it is, but also the, the reenactments to me are almost, it kind of makes you feel like you were there, like with the, uh, the auto accident and it it really kind of brought you back because, you know, they showed some footage, but it seemed like they were limited on that, probably because of the limited access to libraries they have. So, Brian, the first two parts or the first two episodes of season three are Brian Pillman. What were your initial thoughts? Mm, Well, I mean, I guess initially, because, you know, again, for somebody as old as me, um, I can remember this playing out. Right. So this was long about the time the internet was taken off and you know there were certain things you could catch online and hear about online and all that good junk and you know with with you anyway I wasn't that technically savvy but um, you know there you, you you like for me you know you watch it unfold right mm-hmm. much like uh, Benoit and Eddie and some of the other stuff um and it's not too far removed from. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. 
It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Memory, right? I can remember um, Pillman when he was flying Brian and he had the, the orange... Uh, trunks that he always wore, right, mm-hmm. for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Um, watching him and just, like, he's different. He was different than anybody WCW had. Right. right? So this he, he predated Eddie and Benoit and, you know, some of the high flyers. And, I mean, he was doing that before. You know, you had, you had the Midnight Express, but to, to me – he was just different. It, it was almost like he got higher, you know, he was faster, he was stronger, you know, um, so he was definitely different than uh, the rest of the roster. Um, you know, I can remember the Hollywood Blondes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I remember why they were one of the, you know, my favorite tag teams, right? Because you had two people that could captivate an audience, you know, and they just, they did it. I mean, even though they were bad guys, right? You know, they, they were cheered, you know. Um, you know, I remember the car accident. I remember, you know, the ECW stuff. I can remember uh, the WWE stuff, um, you know, the Heart Foundation, all that stuff. Um, but what you, you learn is, you know, stuff that you heard about mm-hmm. as far as like how bad the drug abuse was, um, you know, you, you just learn certain things that you weren't really weren't privy to back then. Right. A lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And it, for me, it doesn't twist the way I remember it. It doesn't alter the way I remember it. Um, but it, I, I would—I don't know if I'd really call it enhancing it, but it does put a little light on his struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, I don't really remember too much about any drug abuse until you know, the end. Um, and, I, you know, uh, you didn't hear about the, the family issues and all that stuff. Right. Um, How so gut-wrenching was it to watch Brian Pillman Jr. talk about not having his dad? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, anytime something like that happens, if you got a heart, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so it kind of, to me, it almost works, you know, two ways as far as like for him, mm-hmm. because now you, you know, I watch him on AEW and, you know, I, I won't say that like, I'm like solidly in his corner, you know, like I'm a big, you know, I, I guess I'm a fan of the varsity bonds, but not like a huge over the top fan. Right. Um, but after watching this and, and, you know, learning what he went through and, 
how he pushed through his struggles and he's able to get where he is. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little inspirational thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, so it, it, you know, the episodes now paint him in a different light. Right. You know, so you, you kind of look at him, you know, in a different way than before where, you know, Oh, that's Brian Pillman's kid. You know, well now, well, that's Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, so. With, with Pillman, one of the things you always got from him was a heartfelt performance. Whether he was tagging with the Z-Man or on his own. I mean, his matches with Jushin Liger, for example, were, I mean, they were amazing. And he was, just like you said, he was before Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. So he was doing the things that we see now and we consider it common. He was doing it mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I mean, at the time, I mean, I guess the, the, the biggest high flyer they may have had on that roster would have been Bobby Eaton. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And... You only really saw him doing, you know, doing the rope stuff, you know, when they were going for the pin, you know, the, the what they call that move. Um, the Alabama jam. Yeah. So, but Pillman was like, he was different. He was, you know, again, before his time, as far as for an American audience. Mm-hmm. Pillman was also, Pillman was also one of those guys that, like you said, in ECW, he forced you to pay attention. Right. Because at, at that point, when he gets to ECW, all we know, because this was kind of at the, I don't want to say the the crux of the internet becoming a thing, but it was at the entry level. So we didn't really have a reason to say, what's in the news? <clears throat> what's happening with Meltzer? But we find out, like, as soon as he gets to WC, or ECW, that suddenly he's got, apparently he's got drug issues and there was problems with him and Eric Bischoff. And I never knew. That's so, that was really enlightening to find out that it was actually a work on his end to try to get fired so that he could basically up his stock wherever he went. And he was playing both sides against one another when it came to WCW and WWE or WWF at the time. That was uh, that was kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think I think it's come out uh, maybe before, maybe in like another auto, uh, you know, autobiography or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's come out somewhere, but you didn't have anybody like with firsthand knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, and and all of a sudden. You know, they produced the the highlight of the two nights in coach. And, I mean, this guy just, I mean, he really knows how to how to tell a tale. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I just, I thought he was absolutely great, you know. Um, because, to me, he gives you probably the closest account of that story Mm -hmm. of anybody 
you know, still around. And, you know, Eric, you know, Eric Bischoff, he's not going to admit he got taken. No, no, he's always got to be in on the gag. It's always got to be part of his plan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I mean, I thought when they, when, when the coach showed up and, uh, started talking about it, um, you know, and not only that, but, you know, the way he talks about Vince McMahon, um, (laughs) you know, like they were playing both of them for idiots Mm -hmm. and it worked, you know? So, cause I, I, I mean, I think he, what he even cussed Vince. So, oh yeah, during uh, the uh, press conference. Well, no, I'm talking about coach. You know. Oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He called Vince like a dumb son of a bitch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I thought he was he was genuine. I thought. Um. You know, he he was to me. He was just like, you know, because I I really don't see him going on that show and talking about how close they were, if they weren't really that close, right? And you could almost see them being like, you know, well, let's do this, let's mm-hmm. see if they'll do this, and if this works, then we can do this and this and this, and you know, it worked. I never knew that he had multiple wives. I never knew that, you know, the the kids that he had were from multiple moms. I never knew that, you know, that he was that close with his coach that entire time either. Like, I always thought that he was working with um, either Heyman or maybe even Austin as far as what to do with his career. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure he probably was, but, you know, the... You got to remember, the, like that character, that mm-hmm. loose cannon character. You know, if it had come out that he was working with either of them two, then you would have seen right through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he, it, it's not like he could have called up Austin and said, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Or you know, "Hey, did you see me on ECW last week?" And you know, the crazy crap I did. Right, because then you run the risk that Austin is going to go talk to the Undertaker, be like, ah, "Yeah, Pillman called me last week and said, you know, this it's all a work." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, I guess he he had to find that one person that, you know, nobody would have come talk to. Nobody, you know, would even, you know what I'm saying. Like nobody right. would have. He would have been that total confidant that had probably had no connection to any wrestler, you know, other than Pillman and wouldn't go out running his mouth. And because really, if he gets out that it's all a work, mm-hmm. then he probably never, you know, gets anywhere close to what he what he made in the WWE. That was the other thing that I never realized about him was that he was in such poor health. During the WWE run, I knew that he had been in the accident because if you remember, they talk about it during the press conference when he signs. But I don't remember him being in that bad of shape because he did perform and he disguised it so well that I never realized that, you know, that he was in that bad of shape. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if, if you take enough 
pills to dull enough pain. Right. Um, you know, you can you can kind of push through anything. So with with Brian Pillman, I mean, one of the things that I remember the most about him is his in ring work. But one of the things that was, in my opinion, very underrated was his mic work. And he starts cutting those loose cannon promos in WCW. And then, of course, we get to the, you know, the infamous I respect you, Booker Man thing. And all the while, here's this guy formulating a plan like, okay, maybe I'm not as big as Hulk Hogan and I'm not as muscular as, you know, Kevin Nash or Scott Hall or Lex Luger, but I can do this. And he sure as hell could. Was you you mentioned. <laughs> no, that's my plate. Oh. <laughs> I remember, I remember the match you're talking about as far as the Hollywood Blondes. Do you remember them on the Clash of Champions against the Four Horsemen? And it was them against Flair and Anderson. And then during that match, you see, you see the fans start to gravitate to Austin and Pillman instead of Flair and, and Art, which I thought was crazy how quick that happened. Um, so I think I actually have that match on DVD. Hmm. Um, I think I have, cause it was in one of the Austin collections. Right. That I think I have. And then, uh, so I think I have that. Um, but again, the, the Hollywood blondes were thrown together. They weren't supposed to amount to anything. You know, but it was two very charismatic people that you were like, just go out there and fail. And they're like, we're not going to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to we're going to do what you said we couldn't do. Right. And it's I mean, if you think about it, had, you know, Eric Bischoff not had his head up his ass. Uh, if you keep them two, because I'm sure they would have been fine together as a tag team because you could have mm-hmm. put the titles on them and had, you know, given them the, you know, at the time it was, it would have been either one of them's biggest push. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Right, so they wouldn't have known any better for a while. Right. Then, you know... If you if you had treated them right and let them have a long run as tag team champs that everybody would have bought into and you could have made a boatload of money off of them, that changed the dynamic of the Monday Night War. Well, I mean, if you keep the Hollywood Blondes on your on your roster, could you imagine the feud between the Outsiders and the Blondes? Sure. I mean, there there would have been plenty of feuds. You know, you literally, they would have been, you know, probably the biggest tag team of that era. Maybe and you again, don't get, I was going to say, maybe you don't get Stone Cold, but a, a Steve Austin at that level? 
Who knows? What, look, Stunning Steve? Right. Steve was as good as Stunning Steve as he was as Stone Cold, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back and and watch him down in Texas, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Even, Even when he was coming up, he was that good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was—he was one of these few guys that was a regional guy. That when he went up to the to uh, the NWA, you automatically knew who he was. You know, he—he he got he garnered plenty of attention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he was that good. I mean that. The the um, feud with him and Chris Adams, yeah, was one of the coolest ones that I had seen at the time. You know, and so you know, just because he was he he made probably the most money off of Stone Cold, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean when he was stunning Steve that he was that that character was any any less than Stone Cold. He just didn't have the opportunity. That he had in um, the WWE. Well, plus he was working to go towards the black tights and the more wrestler technician gimmick in WCW, and, and Eric turned it down. Oh, yeah, but I mean, he was still a technical wrestler. Right, it wasn't really until he got, unfortunately, dropped on his head by Owen that his wrestling style changed. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I think he was probably more of a technical wrestler before then. Uh, mm-hmm. Stone Cold, to me, is a brawler right. with technical aspects, whereas Stunning Steve is a straight technical wrestler. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like when yeah, he I would was agree. Stone Cold, he... He couldn't do what he could as stunning, so he had to alter it. He had to change it. He had to, you know, uh, you know, flip the script, so to speak. And technical wrestling took a little bit more of a backseat to brawling because the brawling was just, it probably covered up a few things. <clears throat> bit of wrestling trivia for you, Brian. The Hollywood Blondes. Did have a finishing move. What did they call it? Oh. Hollywood and Vine. I don't know. Mm. Okay. That's one. Their first one. Their first one was called The Brush with Greatness. Oh, my God. Here we go again. They didn't take that from you. Mm -mm. No, sir. You you took it from them. I stole that from them. (laughs) <laughs> That's where I got it. It's as I said many times, and so is everyone else. If you're stealing from me when it comes to wrestling, you're stealing twice. <laughs> and you'll have to forgive me. I was watching some Steiner math where you were talking about it. That'll mess your head up right there. No, you okay? actually, I think, he's on point. I think <laughs> he's on point for the most part. So He gets a little funky there, but. I've done the math, and it's it's pretty much accurate for the most part. You didn't say that. <laughs> I did say it. You should go back and listen and get a calculator to see if you can keep up. So, I don't think I could ever keep up with Steiner math. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would expect nothing less. I mean, you're talking to a guy that 
you know, is too smart for Mensa, and I turned him down, you know. So <laughs> Steiner is probably in the same boat, you know. The, the little people just can't, they can't fathom Steiner math. Petey. Petey could, could fathom it. Yeah. Yeah. So go back, go back and listen to it. Find it on YouTube and listen to what he says. And for the most part, he is accurate until somewhere about 75% through. Then he kind of goes, <laughs> goes a little goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. I, I give him credit. He, Scott Steiner always knew how to make anything work. It didn't matter what it was. He would make something happen. I agree. Still one of my favorite wrestlers when he was a tag team. I liked him more as a tag team, Scott Steiner, than the singles run. I know you're a big fan of the genetic freak, the big yeah, bad Big Papa daddy. Pump. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's my, that's my Scott Steiner. <laughs> I, like, I, I like the big bad booty daddy. Hashtag not my Steiner. Yeah, not much better. I, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, again, I, I can remember the Steiner brothers. I always liked Rick Steiner. Mm -hmm. I liked him in the Varsity Club. You know, I liked him when he was a dog-faced gremlin. I liked him in the Steiner brothers. Scott, again, was one of these guys ahead of their time. But to me, I don't know. I guess it might have been his look or something. Like, it... it what he was doing and his look did to me just didn't match up. I guess you know what I'm saying with the. the I don't know if I'd call it a mullet, but a little bit of the longer hair. It probably was a mullet. You you wouldn't have told him that he wouldn't he wouldn't have liked that no, very I would, much. I, yeah, I wouldn't tell him that now. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, but I mean, they 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 always had great matches. Mm-hmm. They always fought the best tag teams out there. But when he went to the solo and he'd be, you know, was big pop of pump. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, that's what I was like. Yeah, this this guy, this guy's a heel. You know, this guy was is deep down inside. He's a heel. And I like heels. And he was angry. Yeah. He was always pissed off at something. Uh, the one thing I did like with him, and I think he would attribute feeling his comfort in doing it with Brian Pillman doing it first, and that was the he didn't he he kind of gave up on the fear of being in trouble. He would just mm -hmm. go out there, grab the mic, and say, "I'm going to say what I want." Right. And you can bleep it, you can find me, but you need me. And at that time at WCW, when he turned, they needed him. Well, again, I, I think deep down inside, you know, because, you know, it's easier to make people hate me than it is to make people like me. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's that's just one of these things, you know, in wrestling. Right. Even I can go out there and spout enough stuff to make you hate me. And it's easy. You know, it, it's really easy for me. It, you know, it doesn't take much. But. I think deep down inside, he was a heel. Mm -hmm. And when he turned, you know, uh, and joined the NWO, it gave him that avenue to be, you know, to be the heel, you know. So, and I think it worked out better. I don't, I don't see him ever 
if he had stayed babyface, I don't think he ever becomes world champion. I agree with you there. As a good guy, that Scott Steiner never never gets out of the gate. He probably right. doesn't even see a main event. Uh, well, I could see the main event for the right person. Uh, right, right. Um, maybe against, like, Nash. Uh, I think he would have paired up good against Goldberg. Because mm-hmm. um, he would have the size to take on Goldberg. You know, but then, it, you know, in that breath, though, Goldberg would have had to have been a bad guy. You know, he wouldn't have been able to pull it off as a good guy. Right. Wrestling Goldberg. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't. he never becomes world champ if he stays a good guy. I just Another perfect example of WWE not taking advantage of somebody when they had it. Oh, yeah, but... I mean, I think by the time they got him, um, the Attitude Era is done. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? If he goes there during the Attitude Era and is allowed to <laughs> do some of the things along the lines of what DX did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You That's know, true. They, the, the, the crowd loves him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, a, he's a heel that they just love. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say he was the he's the smoothest talker in the world, but there's something about some of the crap he says that you you just kind of believe it. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and he's got he's big enough to back it up, and so. But you know as well as I do, if he's there in the attitude there with DX, you know, not necessarily with them, but. At the same time as DX, you know, the crowd's going to eat up. You know, oh, yeah. pop a pump is your hookup. And then when he gets to holla, the whole arena is going to scream, holla, that's mm-hmm. going to hear me, you know. So imagine him opposite Triple H during the Attitude Era. Mm. That would have been good. Yeah. So, but, you know, again, this it's. Much like Pillman, it's the right place at the right time, and you know he may he may when given the opportunity, you know he made something out of it, right? You know, with like the Hollywood Blondes, um, you know, again, if if they stay WCW, I mean, eventually he Pillman probably could have worked up to world champ. Austin probably could have worked up the world champ if the right person was in charge. Um, but they, you know, both of them very easily could have gotten the, you know, the TV title or U.S. title and put a stranglehold on it. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they'd stayed and, and the Hollywood Blondes got a actual run that they deserved. Right. Um, I remember one of the last matches I saw Brian Pillman, whereas he loses the the dress match against Goldust, and then the following month gets revenge against Goldust, so that Marlena has to spend the night with him, or become his manager for a brief period of time. That that by itself was probably like your first glimpse into like the 
in my opinion, if WCW had allowed him to explore the dark side of Brian Pillman, the character, that mm. that could have been very easily done on WCW TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus, if you think about it, so, you know, the thing about a lot of tag teams, especially the good ones, mm-hmm. very few of them stay together forever, right? Right. And if you had, if these two were allowed to grow and explore and become what they wanted to become, think of the feud you would have had, you know, with Austin versus Pillman somewhere down the line. And the absolute money, straight money, filthy money, that that feud would have drew for him. It it does make you realize that... (laughs) Like today, in WWE or in in really any company but AEW, I would think they they wouldn't know what to do with a team like the Hollywood Blondes. Like I could I couldn't see Impact highlighting the Hollywood Blondes in the way that we would have seen them blossom with a WWE machine of marketing and, and merchandise. You know, you got T-shirts and everything like that. Back in the early 90s, like 93, WCW's merchandise was like, it was one table. And so there's so many missed (coughs) options and opportunities that happen, not just with Pillman, but a lot of wrestlers of that era that we remember today is like, these guys were top notch. They were better than top notch in most cases. They just didn't get the run. Pillman's, the example of Pillman stands out so much more because... He took what nobody expected him to take, and he just pushed it way past anything ever expected him to, anyone ever expected him to do it, mm-hmm. which made it all the more shocking when he died. I mean, I, I didn't remember the the Pillman nine nine <laughs> Pillman nine millimeter segment being as long as it was, but after watching the Dark Side of the Ring, I went back and rewatched it, and it was like two segments long on Raw. That's 30 minutes that they gave to Brian Pillman, which if he doesn't go to that that loose cannon place or that uh, that special place that they talk about for Orton, <laughs> we don't see we don't see that side. And maybe 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 Steve Austin doesn't get that kind of a rub. Well, I, I mean, I think Austin already had the rub by then. Austin was. Uh, you know, the pretty much the face of the company at the time. But if if Pillman, you know, was in perfect health, yeah. Um, you know, you could almost see how creatively what again a feud would have looked like. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, at, at the time that that. That that era of w, WWE TV, right, was like always on point, mm-hmm. right? That creatively, um, you know, even though some of the characters were still cartoony, you know, right. from previous eras. I mean, you really like the evolution of the WWE really took off during the Attitude Era when all right. this was going on. And again, if Pillman had been able to work with Austin, again, you you could all you could have driven it to like a WrestleMania main event, you know, 
with the title on the line. Yeah. And, you know, you could have easily seen Pillman beat Austin and it would have been believable. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you wouldn't have had a problem with it. You would have been like, yeah, that guy deserves it. You know, everything I've watched over these last few years, he deserves it. You know, he's earned it. And, again, easily you could have, you if he could have gone a full program, you could have drugged that thing out for months. And, you you know, the, the even the people with short attention spans, would have sat up and watched everything that every type of interaction, you know, it's almost like, you know, like Brock and Cena, right? Right. You know, that, that thing went for a little bit, but that's because every time the two of them got together, they were literally beating the piss out of each other. Right. It was one of the most realistic feuds we had. Yeah. and, And that's what this would have been, especially after the gun incident. You know, it, it was pure genius when the camera went black and you hear the gunshot. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, there's nobody, even though the gun's on the screen, you know, there's nobody that expected a gunshot. You know, and I mean, the, the they really, to me, were blurring the line. And you could have had something that made a boatload of money with them, too. Yeah, and that that's what makes the you know, his death all the sadder. You know, here's a guy like like we talked about early. So many battles with with drugs and alcohol, multiple injuries that piled up over the years where his his body just couldn't take it. He just he couldn't overcome it because I mean, you, we've seen like we see videos every now and again about like Marty Janetti. And Janetti talks about how bad his ankles are and how he's never been able to get WWE to, to help him to cover the expense of that. But when it came to a guy like Brian Pillman, you know, he was going back and forth to Dr. James Andrews, you know, at one point they tell a story and, you know, it's weird because later in later in season three with the dynamite kid, you hear a very similar story as to how he would prepare for like one of his last matches where he was literally in a wheelchair they dope him up, get him ready. He goes out, and then somebody carries him back and puts him back in the wheelchair. Like, that's how bad he was. And, and I never – man, that's crazy to me. I mean, it, it, and you said it really well. It, you know, here's a guy who's been through it. You've doped him up enough to where he can perform. But at the same time, in his mind, in, in his body, it's muscle memory. So, you know, he's going through and he's doing this. But at no time did I ever think – wow, Pillman doesn't look good. Pillman doesn't look like he's healthy. So when he dies and we see the the uh, the tribute to Brian Pillman, which was just gut-wrenching that they did on that Monday night, um, it was crazy. And it was, that was, of course, you know, we would see another tribute later, later in the, I guess the next year, yeah, 98, where Owen dies in a similar, you know, similar heartbreaking fashion. We see that tribute show. But I remember because they did, they put Melanie on television and she's talking about, you know, painkillers and everything where, you know, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler and even Vince McMahon, 
none of them mentioned any drug abuse when they announced that he had passed. They just announced that he had died. Um, but Melanie comes out there and they let her say her piece. But it's just a flood of memories come back, you know, when you see that sort of stuff. And you can't help but go back and rewatch. Like, were, were, did you go back and rewatch any of the tribute? Did you rewatch any of the other segments? Like, I, I knew that, like, the Pillman 9mm nine, nine segment was, or storyline, story arc, was huge. You could not watch that. But were there any ones that you went back just to kind of remember? No. Mm-mm. Honestly, I mean, it's, it's just like, um, any of them that have, you know, more uh, favorites of mine that have passed, I, I don't, uh, you know, if something comes up and they're there, I'll watch, but I don't go back and, uh, uh, you know, specifically look for segments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's not what I do. Um, right. So I, I guess it's one of these I'd rather remember them the way I remember them, mm-hmm. whether it's tilted or, or you know or not, right? Then to, to go back and you know pick up on something that I found out now because you know again it's like Pillman. So Pillman in WCW was a, like a little. I mean, he was thick, right? He was very muscular. But Pillman in the WWE was not. And I, I mean, they weren't the same size. You know, and, and now you find out, you know, about the, the drug abuse and everything else. Well, you know, when when you lose probably 50 pounds of muscle, you mm-hmm. know, 30 pounds, whatever it is, you know, somebody should have paid attention to it. Because, I, I mean, they literally, to me, don't look like the same person, um, body-wise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, if you, you know, you go back and look, then, you know, maybe you ask questions that, you know, should have been a- asked back then that, you know, come to light now because you know that much more. And, you know, then it ultimately, to me, can turn... Um, you know, your perception of what you remember. Yeah. So I'd rather just remember as I remember it. Yeah. I mean, you don't want anything to kind of hurt your, your memory of, of the person, especially in a way that takes away from all the good that they brought. So I can certainly understand that. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? All right, so we go from Brian Pillman. Like I said, this was a two-parter to (laughs) the next episode. Episode three of season three is the ultra-violence of Nick Gage. Um, So I don't really follow deathmatches all that much. I never really have. Outside of the King of Deathmatch video, remember when we watched that, um, where Cactus Jack kind of just sets a stage that to me was never going to be touched. I just never thought you could ever go any further than where they went. Well, come to find out combat zone wrestling and IWA mid South. They say, piss on that. We're going to do it even worse or even worse or even more. 
and we get introduced to Nick Gage with light tubes and pizza cutters and cheese graters and barbed wire that legitimately just is wrapped all over all over the mat, just not just the ropes. I mean, just crazy stuff. And here's this guy that he lives for it. And he's trying to prove that it's an art. And I'll be honest, I struggled to like say, yeah, that's an art form. But it's a different kind of wrestling. It's it's maybe it's not my favorite, but you can't necessarily shut the door on it because there are a lot of people that have come out of that and become very big stars. No bigger maybe than John Moxley. So you can't really shut the door on it, but dude, how hard is it to watch some of that stuff? Um So I'm not into um you still there? Let me make sure I didn't cut you off. Um, yeah, I'm here. Alright. So I'm not in like really big into it. Mm-hmm. Um I have watched my share of it. Um I normally don't uh, televise it. Right. You know, there's a lot of times I may be, you know, on YouTube and run across one and and watch it. Um but I won't sit here and say that uh, you know, I, I, I watch it enough to be familiar with any of the players. Right. So I wouldn't have known about Moxley uh, until, you know, I was told. I didn't know that's where he came from, from like that right. style. Um, I have seen, you know, some of his matches since then. Um, I think I got a DVD upstairs um, that has, you know, a number of them on there. Um but it, it's it's you wonder how they do it on a regular basis and nobody dies, especially with uh, you know those uh, lights. Well, and then we watch is this first off John Moxley's story about the first time he gets in the ring with Nick Gage made me cringe. Like I felt sick to my stomach while he's describing it. And then of course they show footage and then they show, like I said, those, those, uh, the, uh, the reinterpretation or whatever it's called. I probably didn't, <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't say the right wording, but you know, they're, they're doing this reenactment. There we go. And I'm like, dude, how do you take a pizza cutter to someone's face? Not just their face, but their mouth. Like, and, and, and staple guns and, like when Necro Butcher used to do that, you remember watching The Wrestler and, you know, Mickey Rourke's character, Randy the Ram, is getting staple gunned on, you know, he's getting sprayed with bug spray. And that's the kind of crazy stuff that this guy's doing. And Moxley is just like, all right, great. We're going to work a great match. Like he's thinking, let's, let's, let's lock up. Let's do a takedown. And Gage is like, nah, I'm, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. <laughs> I'm like, what? what? And, and, you know, Mox wears it like a badge of honor. And, and to me, I, I'll be real with you. If, if it had been me, there's no doubt in my mind that I'd have quit the business right then and there. 
I'd have been done. I, I couldn't well, have did that. Like, that'd have been insane. And I also passed out, but that's not a doubt. Well, yeah, you would have passed out, and then you would have had to have been told about what happened to you later. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, while I'm dead or lying comatose in a yeah. hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, again, I guess if that's your, you know, that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's right up there. You know, he would be the Hulk Hogan of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, I watched it and I was kind of, I wouldn't, I mean, there was a little bit for me like stunned belief. Mm-hmm. I, again, his, his level of violence that that actually takes place that you know i just up until then hadn't really ever got into uh you know i i of course everybody's heard of combat zone but Mm -hmm. i don't think i'd ever i don't think i'd ever turn on a match before then honestly and i don't i don't even know if i knew it was that extreme um or i may very well have turned it in before but it's just, I mean, it's it's not my it's not my cup of tea. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything negative about it. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, like the one time where they show where he got cut, mm-hmm. and you know he almost dies, and they have to bring the helicopter. And, yeah, I mean, there's there's you really got to be careful. I mean, I've watched a lot of um, indie documentaries about, like, backyard wrestling promotions, and there's one about, um, like, a Christian wrestling promotion where one of their top performers actually goes to a backyard fed that practices satanic rituals. I, I, I shit you not, this is the movie that I watched one time where he, he jumps ship from an actual promotion to a backyard fed all because he wants to do death matches. And he cites one of his heroes as Nick Gage because of what he does and how he survives. The the plight of this guy, the guy that Nick Gage goes through all of these things, like you said, gets he gets his neck jabbed to a point. No, I'm sorry, not his neck. That was his underarm that got cut to yeah. where they thought he was going to bleed out. And thinking right there, I'm like, dude, I'd be done. Like, I'm going to die. I'm done. I'm retired. I'm going to go and I'm going to go be a bricklayer. I'm good at that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it's amazing that, uh, what was it? His wife or girlfriend, whatever, whatever she is. I mean, she's literally been with him forever and a day that she right. didn't be like, you know what? Uh, you've had it. You're done. It's right. time to hang it up. You know, we have a family. We want to do this, you know? You need to, you almost died, like legit almost died. Right, right. Um, you know, not like you blew your knee out, not like you broke your arm. No, you, you, you were, blo- you're bleeding out on the ground, on the grass in well, front of 25 he, people. Like, <laughs> like pass in the helicopter or something, they bring them back. Yeah, yeah, they had to bring them back in the helicopter. Yeah. So. What a way to go. You die in front of 25 people. No, I mean, they they had a bigger crowd in 25. But, All right, 50. Know, I'll give you 50. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's crazy, though, that 
I guess that, you know, I'm sure these shows happen all the time, but, you know, this was in a field and, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was well hidden, you know, it, it was hidden for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's your purpose. So. DJ Hyde, one of the guys that used to be in charge of combat zone wrestling. Um, I've had a long, long standing somewhat of a co-working relationship with him as far as helping to promote when he puts DVDs out. Back in the day, back in 2011-ish, he would um, he would send requests over to us over at, uh, at the network, over at uh, Beyond Ringside, but also at PW24. And we would, we would promote it for him. The whole time reading like what he would send, never really realizing in the back of my head that this, this is what it really is. You know what I mean? Then we get you and me and Rob get to Ultimate Championship Wrestling. We find out that, you know, DeVore and Latin Lover had worked there. No idea. Never knew that. And then we find out along the way that, no, it's not it's not just the the death match, but it's the, you know, it's the appeal of the hardcore bloodlust kind of fan. And that's where during this Dark Side episode, we see the support of what he calls the MDK, which are his fans. But dude, that that that's like a band of, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want it to be insulting, but ECW used to refer to their fans as like a band of lovable losers. Because it was just a group of, as they put it, misfits that no one else wanted that was working at ECW. And then CZW kind of picks up on that, and you can really see it and, and pretty well feel it with Nick Gage and their relationship with him. Well, I, yeah, but so, you know, ECW filled the void, right? Yeah. Now, I, I think it's safe to say that if you were a wrestling fan uh, back when Eastern Championship Wrestling, before it turned into extreme, you know, you still knew about the death match. Right. right? You probably never saw one unless you were a tape trader. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there's, I, I mean, I would be shocked to find out if there was an actual, you know, death match, like, like, you know, from King of the death match mm-hmm. overseas that was ever put in, put on in us soil you know, before, you know, ECW. Right. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know if ECW, if they put on a, a quote unquote death match, if it was like the original, you, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if they would go to that extreme. Um, but again, ECW, it filled a void. I mean, I can remember hearing about ECW, mm-hmm. right? But never getting to watch it because it just wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't in the TV market, right? Right. And then I can remember, uh, I think I had to go to school mm-hmm. and uh, for work. And I think it was like 11 to 12 o'clock at night. You know, the music kicks on. I know what the music is. I've heard the music. I, you know. Even though I never watched it, I still bought the the video games, mm-hmm. so I was familiar with you know the music. I was 
familiar with the wrestlers because, you know, through the magazines and you, you know, you hear the rumors of RVD and Taz and Sabu and, you know, you're familiar with some of them like Shane and, you know, some of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And then it kicks on and it's like, I'm mesmerized and I'm mesmerized to the point that I think I actually picked up and called you and Rob. Mm-hmm. Like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, hey, guess what I'm watching? This is this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I remember you know? that. You were you were at a training class. You were in towards Richmond. And you're like, dude, you'll never guess what I'm watching. And you yeah. put your phone up to the TV, and I could hear Joey Styles and Joel Gertner. And I'm like, dude, that's cool. It was like, it was like 12.30 at night. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, it was so late. It was a ridiculous phone call. But it was like, holy <laughs> cow, you're not going to believe this. Yep. And after that, I was hooked, right? I was I was legitimately hooked on ECW. Do you and remember those? Of... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you, do you remember those, like, old, like, really crappy quality video files that would get sent from, like, by email of clips yeah. of ECW stuff? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, but again, it's a niche. It's a niche audience, right? And and even the even the CZW stuff, it's a niche, right? Right. Some people just want to watch the extreme violence, and and you know, it, it's not my cup of tea. But I'm not going to hold it against you. And you know, you do your thing. You know, go out there and entertain the fans. And if that's mm-hmm. if that's if you got fans that want to see it, give it to them. So the the bio part, the bio part of Nick Gage was was definitely captivating, right? Like you you could not stop watching it. it there were some gross parts, of like Jesus, this is a lot. But you really wanted to learn about who this guy was, and he goes ends up going to jail. He robs a bank. Mm-hmm. Like literally, we joke about I'm gonna go rob a bank. No, 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 he robs a bank. Runs home, tells his girlfriend, ah, yeah, I robbed that bank. What? He <laughs> goes to jail. It was like six years. This is the dedication, the hardcore dedication of this guy's fan base. He goes to jail for six years, comes out of jail. They book him, and he's got a thousand people there wearing his shirt. That, it, you'd never see that happen today. Like, if Seth Rollins got arrested for robbing a bank and got out of jail, he doesn't come back to WWE and suddenly he's a megastar. Yeah, but now, again, I don't think Seth Rollins uh, would have that type of audience. You you know, again, so, you know, I'll put it to you like this, right? So, again, it's not my niche, right? It's not Mm -hmm. my thing. Have I watched it? Yes. Will I probably watch it again? Yes. Do I have? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I have a copy of Mick Foley and the King of the Death match on an old VHS tape upstairs. I know for a I fact think, that you do. And, yeah. Well, I ha- I'd have to find it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's with the rest of my videos. But, you know, it's only it's only been in a VCR one time that I know of. And then it was put away, you know. But I can tell you, and, and this is this, like so, you know, you hear me talk about AEW, right? Uh-huh. And you, I've always been passionate about AEW, right? 
I've always been passionate about the Bullet Club and the Young mm-hmm. Bucks and, uh, you know, AJ Styles and the whole nine yards. And mm-hmm. I know there was a time that you and Rob were like, this dude's an idiot. <laughs> right? There's I don't know if we no talked to an way. idiot about it. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I know for a fact there were times that y'all would look at me, even while we're doing a, doing the show, and I would just be ranting and raving about this stuff. You know, again, with the Bullet Club, and, oh, you got to be watching ROH with the Young Bucks and AJ Styles mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I know for a fact there were times that y'all were like, he's off his rocker. Right, I'm gonna keep watching the WWE because I lay money as many times as I told you. Look, y'all have to go watch this match. Neither one of you turned it on. You know what I'm saying? Not true. Not true. Well, now, it, while I it, didn't watch the Young Bucks, I did watch AJ and Okada. Yeah, but but you know what Very I'm saying? Like there were there were plenty of times it was like you need to go watch this. This was amazing, and I, right. I'll bet you you never turned it on. Right? And again, it's oh, no I'm sure there's times. Yeah, it's yeah. no slight. It's just that at the time that wasn't that wasn't for you. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? But again, as I'm watching this thing develop and unfold, and I, I'm becoming a fan of this, you know, again, at the time, more of like the Japanese wrestling, because that's where the Bullet Club is. More of the right. ROH, because that's where the Young Bucks and AJ Styles were, and Adam Cole and you know all this other stuff, right? I, 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 I you know, I'm putting the WWE in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when Melcher come out and said you couldn't fill a ten thousand seat arena, it made me mad, <coughs> right? Oh yeah, because Melcher was, you know, he was back and forth on the Bucks all the time. Making fun yeah, of them for calling him the, the Meltzer driver and all of that, and then they say, "Well, we can we can put on our own show." And he says, "No, you can't do it." Yeah, but but for me though, and I I think I've explained this, I've <coughs> talked about this multiple times, right? Yeah, I was there when this stuff was being formulated. You know, like watching. I'm not like saying I was there there, right? So when this first off, if we were, I would be cool. Oh yeah, that would be great. But you know, as this thing kicks off, and and what what what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, crap, the word escapes me. Like this comes to fruition. There it is. Let's use movement, right? Okay. As this movement is taking off. I start to take it personal because again, I've been talking about this. I've, I, you know, it's not that I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Like, I was there to put the wheels on the bandwagon, me and, you know, all these other people, you know? And that's the same thing for, like, the 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 hard, the extreme, ultra-violent, yeah. you know? You know, it's their niche, and that's why, like, uh, you know, Nick is, like, the guy. Because, in a sense, he's their guy. You, well, you plus- see what I'm saying? Yeah, and you described it earlier. You said that ECW filled a void. Well, ECW <clears throat> disappears, and that void is back again. So CZW comes around, and it's like, oh, well, here we go. Uh-huh. You know, so Nick Gage 
becomes a star, not because he's a, you know, a freak of nature or anything, although I think there's argument that you could make that he kind of is. It's more on the lines of here's a guy that's doing something that's really never been done before. And in his own way, an innovator of an industry that, let's be honest, there's not a lot of innovations left. So I agree with you. You can't really disrespect what the guy does because in his own way, he changed the game. Yeah, but but then getting back to Rollins, that's again that's what makes this guy different, right? Right. Again, the, the, his audience, right? They they understand that they are few and far between, <coughs> right? Right. That, but that's their movement. That's their niche. That's their Hulk Hogan. Exactly. Exactly. He is you their. Know? Figurehead, exactly. Yes, yeah, but whereas Seth Rollins, you know, in no disrespect, is just going to be a WWE superstar. Well, here's the thing, and this is what always irritates me about Seth. I was a Tyler Black fan before yes. half of the people in the world even knew what the hell he was all about. So it bothers me to no end when I see, just like when you talk about the Bucks, right? When people were like, oh, Seth is great. He didn't get to be anything until he became Seth Rollins. Now, that's bullshit. Tyler Black was legit. And in Ring of Honor, he was one of the best that ever did it. So it's amazing to me. And that's I think that's where I end up becoming, I think, more accepting of like what Combat Zone does. Because just as much as I feel like that when it comes to Seth Rollins, Tyler Black, uh, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and Samoa Joe <laughs> and Nigel McGinnis is one of the reasons I'm such a big Nigel fan is because I watch these guys in Ring of Honor. And then you see people jump on, just like people did ultimately with AJ Styles and TNA. It's just, with with this episode, with the Nick Gage episode, it was just a... It was like a... a <laughs> it was like looking at another group of fans. It was like... Wow, is that? I did wonder, is that what we look like when we are, like you talk about Bullet Club, when I talk about maybe like when I talk about Shawn Michaels or CM Punk, you know what I mean? Like, is that how we come across? So here's here's the here's the interesting thing about this, right? So you you know, like when I talk about a bobblehead, right, right, you know, and I refer to the majority of WWE fans, right? When I say bobblehead, right? And even though I am, you know, I'm an AEW bobblehead or an Impact bobblehead or whatever you need. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? Don't call yourself that. Don't go that far. Impact well, bobblehead. But, but you know what For I'm sure. Yes, like, I do. The, the thing about the WWE is, to me, the WWE has lost so much, Right? That is just not entertaining to me anymore. Right. However, the next guy could be. But I cannot sit here and have a conversation, right? And and put the WWE into any type of niche. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that it's not a niche audience, because it is. However, it is so large and so huge to me, the niche is the smaller promotion that 
you know, if you have two wrestling fans talking at a water cooler, anybody can talk WWE. Mm-hmm. But not any, not not every wrestling fan can talk CZW. Right. They can't talk right. ECW. They can't talk AEW. They can't talk Impact. They can't talk New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, AAA. You know, any number of, of mm-hmm. you know promotions out there that I missed. You know, but again, you could you can almost guarantee you could put two uh, wrestling fans and say, "Hey, talk WWE." Doesn't matter what right. era, doesn't matter who, just go talk, and they can they can strike up a conversation. You know, but again, you put two wrestling fans and say, "Hey, uh, go talk about uh, CZW." One of them might have an idea. But that doesn't mean they can hold a conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? To me, that's yeah. a niche. Shawn Michaels and, you know, uh, any, any like, big WWE name, mm-hmm. to me, that's not really a niche audience. It, it's, you know, again, it is a niche, but it's so big, it's, it's no longer a niche. Well, and that's what that, makes, that like... Sense. No, it does. It does, because... You know, wrestling in and of itself is a niche industry. However, within that niche, there are multiple other groupings there that are niches unto themselves, just like you described. And so you, you, you get to that point where after it gets to a certain level, like the WWE fan is still, in some cases, cast out by sports fans. But the reality is, the sport that you like, if you're a football fan, and it just cascades on down to, oh, my local backyard fan, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's one of those things where if you if you don't if you don't pay attention to what's gonna what's going on, you're ultimately going to get left behind. Well, again, I don't know if you get left behind. I, I just think that you know the conversation becomes. Um, the the water cooler conversation can mm-hmm. very easily become one sided because you can very easily have CZW fans that are WWE fans, but then it may not translate the other way around. You see what I'm saying? Like you may not have WWE fans that are CZW fans, right? You know, so I, I you know I wouldn't say they. I'm not saying like they hide in the closet or anything. They're very passionate fans, just like any other uh, niches. But um, I think it is just is so uh, ultra violent. It's definitely not for everybody. And again, I have seen plenty of clips that, you know, have been like, oh, I I can't watch this, you know. Um, But I have seen a few that, I've watched all the way through and been like, well, that was kind of, that was very interesting. Right. You know, so, but yeah, it's no slight to anybody, but it's just, that's not my cup of tea. So, well, and it it gets even more intense when you see the, the David Arquette stuff. And then you see David Arquette take the bottle that I think it was a bottle or maybe no light tube. And that's where it breaks on his neck. And he's like, oh, my God, I just killed David Arquette. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, uh, 
And give but credit again, to, to David Arquette for doing that, though. Yeah, but I, again, I you know I I don't know what genius thought that was a good idea. Uh, you know, to me, you know, that's his first time. You know, I don't think he'd been in anything like that before, if I remember right. And you know, you're putting him against Nick and. Nick's not really known for, you know, playing nice. And, you know, he's kind of, you know, who knows what what hidden little feelings he's got from, you know, when he was a kid and what David Arquette with the WCW title. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, now, now you're in my backyard. Let me, let me show you, you know, some of the comments you made. Let me, let me drive this home that maybe you should probably not come back. You know what I'm right. saying? So, you know, again, who knows if, you know, how, how far somebody wanted to take it? Because I know, I know for a fact, there are plenty of times, you know, hey, this guy disrespected me. I need, you know, go deal with him. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to hook them. I'm going to, you know, hurt them. I'm going to, like, legit hurt them. It happens. Well, and that was the thing, like, with with Arquette, you remember, like, when he wins the title in WCW, all of us are like, what the hell? This is horrible. You know, we all crapped on it. It was – and it was was a bad move. Ultimately – Bischoff, I think his rationale does make sense, even though I still wouldn't have done it had I been in his shoes. Um, you know, the desire to 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 make people talk about your company, well, what better way to do it and potential way to boost sales for the movie? I get that. It's still not the right call, but I get it. They get into, you know, it, Arquette kind of describes, I wanted to prove that, you know, wrestling's not a joke to me, that I'm not you know, against the heritage of it. But of all of the places to go, especially if you're like his agent, who tells David Arquette, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's go do a death match. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, no, <laughs> go wrestle for NWA. Go, yeah, but I would imagine it was probably described as a hardcore match and not anything more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whoever come up with the idea and presented it to both sides, you know, I, I'll lay money. There there was probably in, in somebody's head, whether he's willing to admit it or not, oh, okay, remember this? Let me show you how, let me, you're in my world now. Right. And let me make sure that when you walk out of here, you leave with a newfound respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to beat that respect into you. Yeah. And he, you know, I'm sure they didn't never sat across from each other, and that was said. But you know as well as I do. You know, if you're you know, Bret Hart and have an opportunity to wrestle David Arquette, right? You're gonna you you're gonna stretch him. You're gonna stretch <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. You're going to make sure that he understands that this is uh, this yeah. is what we do. You're going to respect our business. Yeah, and, and you know, I, in all honesty, it's 
it's not David Arquette's fault that he agreed to hold that title. Mm-hmm. But he was dumb enough to hold that title. I would never do it. Yeah. Hey, Brian, uh, we're going to put the world title on you tonight. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not a wrestler. I'm not stepping in the ring with somebody. Right. I want nothing to do with that title. I can help somebody else win the title, but you're not putting it on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a part of the business, you know, and that's probably what David should have said. I mean, could you imagine if, if you know, somebody would say, hey, uh, yeah, David, uh, uh, you know, we got this match lined up. Uh, this guy named New Jack. Totally crap. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> but I'm you good, know what? You. He would have done it. Yeah, because he 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 doesn't, I you know he he's been in the business of dropping the bucket. You know he probably doesn't understand, you know the feelings that some of these guys probably hold, because mm-hmm. you in a sense you did make a mockery when you won that WCW title mm-hmm. of the business. You 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 spat on everybody's livelihood. And I'm telling you, I'll lay money that whether he wants to admit it or not, somewhere in the recesses of that boy's mind, Nick said, well, guess what? You're going to learn some respect today. Yeah. And I'm going to teach it to you. And that's probably what he did. (laughs) Oh, oh, he taught it to him. (laughs) Yeah. That whole time going through all of that and, you know, literally getting told (laughs) – Okay, so how do you feel about this? And they don't actually have that conversation. They just basically say, "Okay, well, here's the bottle now. Here's the light tube. Here's the like what?" And yeah. you see during the footage during this episode that you know Arquette realizes that it's on. Like mm-hmm. it's you're you're fighting for your life now. So you can see where he when he punches Gage, he's like punching him back, and then he realizes, nope, that's not going to work. Because you do kind of see him kind of give up. Like, yeah, this is going to happen how it's going to happen. Because again, the, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, he doesn't want to run away. He wants to show that he respects the business. So he's like, I guess I have to stay here and take it, is the best I could figure. Well, I, you know, honestly, I don't think he knew any better. I would have ran. I, I honestly don't think he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. Right? I mean, literally, you know, I imagine when when the first blow was hit, it was a lot stiffer than he was expecting. Yeah. And he quite possibly, you know, he got that rude awakening and he just never, like, it was such a shock that he probably was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Nick was just on him. Well, and then and then once he realized it was on, it's like, uh, well, okay. <laughs> he just kind of goes because at one point they, they, they did they did did they word this right? They did David Arquette justice by showing one. He goes in. He knows what he knows. It's he knows it's on. So you see him start to fight back for real, and then you really do. You see his body kind of relax and realize, okay, this is just going to happen. And you just kind of see him start to go with it, even though 
the moment his neck gets cut, it that you know that should have been it. That somebody should have just gotten in there and said, "All right, nope." <laughs> that should have been it. But even though I can kind of respect, and, and I have to agree with you, I'd have ran too. I'd have been gone. Yep, done. See I, ya. I mean, no again, more. you would have never got me in there. I don't True. care who trained me. Oh yeah, this, this is your big comeback trail. Uh, climb me the ring. You're gonna. It's gonna be a simple little hardcore match against Nick. You're Nick okay. Knew. <laughs> Nobody did their homework. Right. Nobody tells guy. him. Nobody tells him this guy is guy. is practically a murderer. You know, like, and that's not that's because that's what they're that's what they're mimicking when they do this stuff. Oh, this should kill somebody for sure. Great, let's do it in the ring, huh? <laughs> no. What's well, one thing we used to say all the time about ECW that it could only go but so far, and sooner or later somebody's just going to grab a gun and kill somebody. That's what I always thought. That's what I've always said. When it comes to hardcore wrestling, it can only go so far. Nope. Not true, because deathmatch wrestling just says, "Oh yeah, watch us, hold our beer." Mm, yeah, and, and it's just well, like look, I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, look at like at the end where they show the one with all the light tubes. Oh yeah, yeah. Jeez. Holy cow! Yeah, no. Thank I mean, you. I've seen I've seen enough of that where you know, like they get slammed on the light tubes in white wife beaters. And they're not bleeding. They get slammed, and they they you know stand up. And next thing, there's one red spot, and right. a second, and a third, and a fourth. And next thing you know, there's twenty of them. And then you can just watch the t-shirt filled with blood. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to, <laughs> supposed to be fighting on that crap. The human body is not supposed to lose that much blood. Period. Uh, you're, you're just not supposed to. And I don't care what anybody says. There's no way that these guys wrestling that style haven't, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I know that it's a disrespectful comment. There's no way these guys haven't gotten some kind of like hepatitis C or, or some craziness. Uh, I mean, you hope they do You know, you yeah, hope but, they do I mean, but come on. I, I, I think, again, because it's such niche, that yeah. they probably have their own unwritten rules. Probably got a doctor that checks them out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> Did you get your release today? Yeah, great. I'm going to cut you in half. Cool. Yeah. I'm good, yeah, buddy. But you I'm know, good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, for yeah. all we know in the, in the contracts, uh, you know, if CCW is smart, you know, they're, you're going to get checked out every so many months, whether you want to or not. You want to keep doing this. You have to have a blood test. You right. have to be checked out. Uh, I mean, that would that would be so wrong on their part if they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, put that in place. So Nick Gage again, we talked about it, captivating, very polarizing. Um, it's hard to see that episode and not think, you know, just what the hell is this guy doing? Then we get to just one of the most bizarre stories I've ever seen, and that is the WCW collision in Korea. Um, first off, what a huge undertaking for Eric Bischoff to put on this kind of a show to agree to it. Um, the fact that he is able to get 
all of this talent because, I mean, on the surface, I can see why he would say, yeah, let's do this. Because it is, I mean, it's 100,000 people you're going to be performing in front of. Think no, of the, No, it's like 130. Right, like, right. But Yeah, this, this dwarf, or this is so much bigger than uh, uh, Michigan. Right, right. So how do you how do you turn that down? I mean, that's potential new business. And Bischoff yeah, is all how, about getting new viewers. I know how you turn it down. It's North effing Korea. <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> but I mean, if they come over to you and they say, "Listen, we're going to take precautions. You know, we want to make sure that we've got the best show. We want to perform and entertain our people." Stand. I mean, it's a diplomacy opportunity. Stand. It's North effing Korea. But people change. North <laughs> Korea. Rocky Balboa says everybody can change. <laughs> Great. However, comma, like this, this isn't like China where you can go over there and just be shadowed by people. Right. Right. This is a place where you go over there and they preached about the Americans being devils from like your birth. You know, right. There are nursery rhymes about how the, the Americans are devils. Like very few Americans have probably stepped foot in North Korea. <laughs> the American devil you is know? coming. Yeah. People, I mean, people like, running what, from you in the streets. What, like one president, one sitting U.S. president has gone to North Korea or some craziness? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see it. Like I said, I can see why Bischoff is like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do it. Because he thinks it's going to grow his business. And, and I guess maybe it does, possibly. <laughs> but what happens here is that we get the cavalcade of just, first off, frightening because, I mean, literally, as soon as you get off the plane, you're held at gunpoint. It's like you get off the plane and it's, oh, shit, I'm going to die. <laughs> Can I call my family first? Like, that, you hear Scott Norton talk about it. You're like, that's a big dude to be that scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's OK. So the funniest part of that whole thing is Too Cold Scorpio talk about how he's going to beat up Hawk. I'm like, you're in the middle of all of this, but you're going to beat up Hawk. And they probably would have both gone to jail for life. Gone to jail or gotten killed right then and now. There. No, I, I don't think they would have gotten killed. I think they would have gone to jail. And they they would have been used somewhere down the line to get a North Korean spy back. Oh, my gosh. It would have been a prisoner swap. Now, I'll be honest. I don't buy a single bit that Too Cold Scorpio kicked his ass. I don't buy it. Uh, yeah, but I think even I think even Scott said he did because Hawk was so messed up. I, yeah, let's I, I'm see, that's ninety. Positive. Yeah, mm. I mean you're talking. There's there's footage of of Hawk and plenty of other ones doing cocaine in the NWA, not WCW, the NWA in the locker room and just being stoned out of their gourds. Uh, Norton said it. I think they got into like two of them. And both mm-hmm. times, Hawk was, you know, freaking done. And then I think the one time Hawk wasn't done, or, or 
I think, or maybe Norton said, if he wasn't messed up, he would have killed him. Right, right. So, man, I, I, all of that going on, and you're going to be like, oh, let's gonna, I'm going to get in a fight because you're making fun of me. No. <laughs> I want to get done and go home. <laughs> like, I don't want to mess with that. Again, you're, you're talking. Uh, hold on. Uh, I mean, you're talking wrestlers that were probably always running a certain lifestyle. Yeah, you know very what I'm true. Saying? Uh, I mean, look at the, you know, Flair. You've heard the, you know, the legends of Flair, you know. Oh, just ask um, Tony Schiavone. Yeah, I mean, you know, you now you, you now you hear about Hulk's lifestyle. Now you, you know, there's so many others. It was, you know, in the 80s, they were rock stars. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all accustomed to a certain life and they didn't care about North Korea until probably not until Norton got put down. The, the craziest parts of these things was how at this time it's 1995 when it airs in the United States, but when collision in Korea happens, Ric Flair, as far as WCW is concerned in 95, 94, late 94, early 95, Flair's kind of, being moved down the card as Hogan's being moved up. But Hogan says he's not going. He says, nah, that doesn't work for me, brother. And Bischoff even comments to that. So the whole story comes around, and, and really Flair is very respectful and, and just very 100% in versus everybody else is just like, we were going to die. That's <laughs> just like... What so does Flair just get held in that high regard in in that part of the world as well? So even though Flair may be moving down the card, mm-hmm. Flair is still your biggest name, right? Well, compared to Hogan, right? So those two are probably yeah. neck and neck, right? Um, so as far as the people there, you know, Flair is definitely your biggest name. Now the thing right. that Flair has that the other ones don't. Even though, again, you have legends and you know stories upon stories, his <laughs> flair was was like the guy, mm-hmm. right? And I, I would imagine just like hearing about some of the things that happened to you after winning the title, the world title. Like you really got to, if you want to keep it, you got to you got to walk a certain path. You got to toe that company line. And Flair, you know, I'm sure better than anybody knew how to tow that company line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he had the image. He has a reputation. He has, you know, I'm sure there were there were probably one or two private conversations. You know, hey, you're you're the you're the focal point here. You're the you're the biggest name in the in, in on the plane. Mm-hmm. You know, other than uh, Adoki, um, you know, but we need you to be the company man. We need you to try and set the example, and then you take, you know, a bunch of bunch of <laughs> rogues with you. And, but as far as like Bischoff doing it for the money, Bischoff didn't do it for the money. Bischoff did it to get the largest crowd ever. <laughs> Right, he wanted because the he then notoriety. Up, 
right? He one-ups the WWE. If you notice, look, if you go back and watch it, how many times he mentions that at the end. I think within like five minutes, he mentions it like two or three times. That's oh, any chance he can Korea. put himself over, he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why they went to Korea. It wasn't, it wasn't for any money. It wasn't for any fame or notoriety or, or, you know, anything as far as WCW. It was mm-hmm. to, quite frankly, flip off the finger, middle finger to WWE and, you know, no, we've been in front of 130,000 top that. Mm-hmm. And I bet you if you go back and listen to any broadcast pertaining to it before or after the event, he probably mentions it multiple times, 130. You'll probably hear the number. So here's what here's what kind of kills me about this this whole thing. So the the drama these guys go through off television is a story in and of itself, right? That's the focal point of pretty much the entire episode. Because if you look at the match times from night one and night two, the longest match on the card was twenty minutes. The shortest was two minutes thirty seven seconds. Like, I'm sorry, two minutes and twenty one seconds. There was a match that was actually shorter. So, of the two nights, your total match time is less than less than an hour and a half each night. And all of this happens after their matches are done or before they even get to the ring. Like, the Steiners are, you know, playing pool with, with Scott Norton, and, and I guess they get into it a little bit. And all of a sudden, one of the guards that are standing there threatens Scott Norton with a rifle. Dude, I'm not... There's no way. But these guys all said they'd do it because they'd been to Japan. They've kind of had that experience. And sure as hell, they lived to tell the story. Yeah, but I, and I'll lay money that that was probably one of their biggest paydays ever. Because oh, whether sure. Korea paid out or, or what, I'm sure WCW paid them. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine that WCW probably paid them under the table just as much as what they took home just to keep them shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would imagine it, you know, it was not part of their regular WCW paycheck. Um, you know, that there was probably a lot of money thrown their way. Yeah. You know, um, but I, there's no way I would have done it. No way. I'd have been like Hogan. I don't think so, bro. Doesn't doesn't work for me. I'll be down at Venice Beach that weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be at the gym. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I'll be at the <laughs> surf shop. Come on by. When y'all get back, come on by. We'll talk. We'll have a beer. We'll laugh about it. It'll be great. Yeah, but what to me? What like the bigger story is how they how they talk about how like the matches, the, like they were getting no crowd reaction at all. Right. Right. And they come to find like, out that the people are literally like prisoners there. Well, yeah, not only that, but they'd never seen, you know, pro wrestling at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the Anoki is the only one that they could even somewhat associate with. And, you know, but he's, uh, you know, from a different country, mm-hmm. you know, so, but by the end of night two, 
you know, supposedly they're just cheering Anoki on. Right. And, you know, it's, you got to kind of wonder if that could happen. You know, if you, if you expose somebody that's never watched it before, you know, whether they're allowed to cheer or not, you know, could you, could you make somebody, um, not really fall in love, but enjoy it? Well, and that's, that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's during this time in Korea, I mean, it's still kind of a militarized zone now, but with what's happening there, they don't know until literally the, the second night, if I remember what, what Scott Norton said correctly, they don't realize that the audience is like, you're going to leave your home. You're going to yeah. sit in this arena. You will cheer or boo. Like they're terrified out of their mind because they don't know what to, what to do. And all they've ever been taught is that Americans are the devil. And here they are forced to watch Americans. Like it's crazy. But again, though, it was it was Bischoff being the the consummate guy that he is, and oh, how many how many people you got in the arena? Oh, you got Muhammad Ali, Antonio Inoki. How many people in the arena? Hundred and thirty. Oh yeah, okay. I'll find. We'll some. be there. I'll find. <laughs> right. I'll find. Some. So we go from like the the crazy to the now we start going down that dark path. All right, we well, had a little bit of that with with Pillman, the little bit outlandish with Gage, the crazy with Korea, but then we get to the Warrior, it starts going down a a slightly darker path. Yeah. So, but for the record, it's almost eleven o'clock, and I think we should make this a two parter. Okay, true. good deal. Dark hey, suffering fashion. <laughs> that actually, you know what? I salute you, sir. Good deal. So what we're going to do then is we're going to break for now. When we come back next time on Corner to Corner, which will air on January, January, Jesus, January. July, July 5th, uh, we'll be back in the back in live form. And we will do part two of Dark Side of the Ring, where we'll go over the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, Jake Roberts, Grizzly Smith, um, and Dynamite Kid. By that point, the well, next episode. Yeah, well, uh, so I say we retract that statement and okay. say somewhere down the line before the season picks up again, we'll have a part two. Uh, you you want to do with... part two after the season concludes? No, no, no. Because, uh, again, there, I mean, we still have probably 10 episodes to go. Right. Maybe yeah, I mean, it, but, you know, we have a lot to go, uh, but I think they start back up in a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, with what uh, Rob has going on personally, yep. um, you know, if it works out that on that July date that we come back live, we get to it, we get to it. If not, we're just going to the three of us are going to sit and talk. You know, okay. like we like we normally do. And we'll save part two, but we'll get it in before. The season kicks off because again, these these next three are like legit. Yeah. Like oh, this is musty TV. I mean, this, the the Grizzly Smith one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to sound crazy or whatever, but for like 
uh, they should get an award for that episode. Yeah, the the strength it took for those family members, honestly, to kind of tell their stories. Um, mm-hmm. You can't say enough about that. That's huge. But it does. There's a lot to that Grizzly Smith episode. And hell, we could probably dedicate a full show to the Grizzly Smith yeah. episode. Um, so, yeah. Hey, and by the way, uh, for those of you listening, you know, here we've gone through kind of a a more roundtable format, which I think has really benefited us. But we want to know what you guys think. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Uh, go to at C2C Radio Show on Twitter or C2C Radio Show.com. Throw a comment in the chat room. Tell us what you think. Is there more content you want us to cover? Do you want us to talk about Vince McMahon going downhill? Is Vince selling the company? Whatever it is, we'll always take a suggestion. We'll take a recommendation. Or, you know, if you want to complain about me or, or Brian or Rob, then whoa, whoa, whoa. go screw yourself. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Back it up. Right. If you want, let's just put. I'll throw this out there. You want to get insulted, like MJF was on your DMs. Yeah. You can. Then you can. Then you can like send something to my social media. If not, then all you got. All you can do is just watch from afar. Right. That's the type of guy. I am. Wow. And it's going to cost you money for me to do it. <laughs> Are you going to be like? Uh... Uh, doing cameos for people? If they pay me, I'll do a cameo for them. Hey, Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy does great cameos, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say whatever you want for the right amount of money. I'm not going to dress up, though. Mind you, I'm not You're not going to dress up? No, or dress down or whatever you want to call it, you know. Don't be like, show me your, show me your boobies. I'll be like, no, I'm not Ew. doing it. Ew. I don't Why care if you're paying me $1,000. Now, if you pay me a thousand and five, I'll show you one nip. I, I don't understand. What are you doing? Five extra dollars gets you a nip. One. Ew. 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 Don't act like you've never seen him before. I don't want to see that. That's awful. Stop it, Brian. Stop it. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah, we got lots of content to cover, lots of ground to cover. Have a great fourth. Go ahead. Oh, so uh, I don't know about you, but we should mention that we will. uh, I will be getting Slammiversary. And uh, when it happens, I'm looking forward to it. We'll uh, maybe chat about it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Got a lot of good stuff in uh, in the hopper. So. We are going to be in a situation very soon where it's going to be all about, uh, hey, all about what's happening with AEW and Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega here real soon. Ooh, Saturday. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, part of me, I know it's probably unlikely. I know somebody's going to call me a, a bobblehead, but I'd be kind of, kind of cool if uh, Jungle Boy beat Kenny Omega. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's not being a bobblehead. That's just being. Um, God, I don't, can I, let me check with the AR. Uh, so our HR department says that I'm not allowed to call you the, the R word. I'm not allowed to call you <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be careful. I'm People get upset to, about that. Yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about how that comment makes you look like you ride the short bus. Um, it's not gonna Oh, that's happen, not nice. Right? That's not nice. Kenny Omega right now is the best in the 
world, and he's going to stay that come Saturday. Well, I, I guess uh, I guess we'll have to find out what happens because that's coming up on Saturday. So, hey, until then, feel free to check us out on C2CRadioShow.com. Catch up with Brian at Vlad Dragul C2C. Still the coolest screen name on Twitter. I don't care what yeah. anybody says, Brian. That was a good move. Smart yeah. name change. Yeah. A lot better Plus than it ties into my Xbox, so it's kind of like, uh, yep. you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, spreading it out there for everybody. Branding, Brian. It's branding. branding. There you go. He's yeah, learning. He's learning. It only took about ten for. years. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Hefner, C two C, and Twitter for Rob and at Stan Grub for me. Just about everywhere. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch up with you. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.